This is Up Your RPG, helping you up your role-playing game. In this episode, a few of our personal favorite RP moments. Collectively, we've got decades of tabletop gaming experience, so we're going to recount some scenes that were significant to us and see if we can pinpoint the source of their role-playing magic. Let's get to it. Hey folks, welcome to Up Your RPG. My name's Arthur. I am here as always with folks from under the library, Michael and Emily, who are always here. And this week we're joined by Rick. Again, we are talking about some role play moments that we thought were great. Michael, do you want to get us started? Yeah, and I think I'm just going to throw it right over to Emily and there's not too much banter. I think we need to get this topic set up. So Emily, what are, what's been one of your favorite kind of RP moments of all time? Okay. So I made a few notes and I think the first one that I will mention is actually about Rick. Hey, (laughs) Hey, so towards the beginning of my role-playing career, I had never been in a, like a long-term sort of campaign, but played some, some one-offs and some shorter things and some, uh, conventions. So Rick, don't look so scared. It's actually a good story. It is. That's unusual with Rick. I know, but I chose carefully because (laughs) I could have chosen many things and I chose a a good story. It's not his southern accent, right? It's not his southern accent? No, this character did not have a southern accent. This character was an ogre. So he just kind of had like a dumb guy accent. Okay, so we were in the final scene. Like the the final, it was like a throne room or something with a, a big bad that was... I don't, re- I don't remember. It was a long time ago. But what I do remember to this day, please don't look so worried. I promise it's a good story. <laughs> Rick looks really there terrified was, right now. Yeah. Okay. So there was like a coin or a pendant or something that was the key to getting through the portal to whatever there, there was a there was a final thing that we could have done that would have avoided us all dying in a boss battle and the boss was trying to take this key back and instead of giving it back rick ate it oh yeah <laughs> there's the recognition i remember okay that. i was waiting i was I, waiting. I, I, I was hoping that's what he was going to do with it <laughs> so as a more experienced well not just experienced role player but experienced with rick you might expect that he was going to do that but this was towards the beginning of my gaming experience and i think one of the reasons that i still remember this moment is because it really just opened up the possibilities <laughs> of what you could do in a game like as i said i don't i wish i remembered more of the specifics of the storyline but him swallowing this coin essentially resulted in us all surviving and winning the the game. And I don't remember the specifics and it's not even that important that we, that we won it because of that, but it just never would have occurred to me in this moment of high tension, high stakes 
and potential violence. It's just swallow the damn coin. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that's an amazing example because it's it's on its face it's so simple, but it really does illustrate that in role playing games there is no one way to do things, and that that's where if you have a GM who's open to those sort of possibilities and players who are creative, that can really lead to some amazing moments when it, you don't have sort of a binary choice of we're going to fight or um, I'm going to turn over this, whatever the thing is. Um, when you open yeah. up the possibilities beyond those those two choices, as they would normally be done, it really can lead to some incredible moments. And I am sure that that convention GM did not expect that that was the way the situation would resolve itself. But he went with it, as you said. He was open to that. And uh, there's just something to be said for creativity. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Rick? It, it, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It, made me, it made me realize as Rick sat there squirming back and forth that we could just dedicate an episode <laughs> to seeing who can make Rick squirm the most about things uh, he's done in RPGs. But see, I didn't go that way because it would just be too easy. It's true. It's I mean, I have a lot of very enjoyable role-playing memories that involve Rick being really ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we could we could have probably a series dangerous. of weird crap Rick has done. But that's <laughs> just the low-hanging fruit. It is. It is. Yep. <laughs> Are you Thanks. referring to Rick or the stories? Well, both. <laughs> oh, okay. Both fair. Well, fair. <laughs> Hi, Rick. Why don't you, on that note, why don't you take us along with one of your favorite moments? <laughs> yeah, well, that's great. I, I appreciate you bringing that one up because I, I hadn't thought about that one, uh, Emily. And it's, it's, it is a favorite. That was a great moment. Um, thinking outside of the box, I'll give you sort of something similar. Um, and I would say if you have a plot, so this is for sort of the people getting into it, or, or if you have sort of a simple plot, something that's like a fetch quest, right, that you would think of with World of Warcraft, but you're doing it in game. And it's sort of like go out, get this thing. Um, that you can do, you can do that, um, or you can think a little outside of the box and see what sort of what mayhem you could come up with. And so we had one, uh, <laughs> um, and it's it was in Savage Worlds, uh, Low Life, where you have sort of like cream puffians, so like living Twinkies and piles of. Anyways, it's 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 a crazy universe. Uh, Wait, was I in this game? I don't. You know, you weren't in this one. Um, I, I don't think I was either. This doesn't sound least bit familiar. No, this I is, played this is me. a low life with you. No, this is me and Chris Hogan, who plays Boone in the current season okay. of Under the Library. And uh, we had we had a number of, of misadventures with one another. And in this one, the basic premise was there was a fetch mission to get a scroll with a prophecy on it. And the prophecy was stolen. The scroll was stolen. And basically the king uh, was going to be passing down the crown to his heir and the prophecy had sort of what needed to be done uh, to make this official and it had to be read out loud and so we we go through the motions we find this scroll and my character read it and basically the premise was um the king has to the scroll has to be read and the next person the king sneezes in front of becomes the next king and so on our way back uh, we beat, you know, the witch or whatever big bad we had to do, creatures along the way. And we're like, great. We're at the end of this four hour one shot. Everyone's ready to go. 
And on our way back, I asked the DM, is there a, is there like a bakery nearby or, or something like that? And he goes, uh, yeah. And the rest of the people at the table sort of looked at me a bit weird. I said, great. And I was like, I'm going to make a pit stop in there. And I grabbed a handful. I asked the bakery folks if they had pepper. And they said, yes. And so I, I grabbed pepper and then grabbed like a bunch of loaves of bread uh, and a basket. And, <laughs> and everyone at the table is looking at me super weird. Chris is looking at me with this eye of like, you get into weird things and this this might be good. And and but intrigued. And so we get to the door of the uh, castle, the temple, and I go in. And before I go in, I ask this uh, the friend Chris to um, come up to the door as a traveling salesman with this bread, a basket of bread in, in like two minutes. And when uh, uh, it opens the door, ask to speak with the king. And when the king does throw the pepper in his face. And that was me laying the MacGuffin here. And so then I go in and we give the prophecy scroll. And in, in the in the long and short of this is the doorbell rings right to the castle. I guess the castle back then had a doorbell. And uh, the king goes, gets the door. Uh, Chris has this moment with the DM, who's the king, uh, doing this, this scene with the bread. He's a traveling bread salesman and then throws the pepper in his face. And then I stood behind the king. And when the king turned around to sneeze, he sneezed. And then my character was there. And then my character, rightfully, in the context of this game, was the next heir to the throne. And then I was crowned. And so the game ended uh, with my character becoming king. And it was just like an absolute departure from anything that had ever happened in the plot and for the DM. And, and the group, I think the thing th that makes this most memorable for me is there was somebody in the group who was laughing so hard, he legitimately fell out of his chair. A complete stranger we were playing with was in tears, side splitting, like fell out of his chair onto the like game room floor, like crying with laughter, like almost like a kid with his feet kicking. And it was just sort of this like simple plot. And you can sort of overlay, you know, some wonderful antics if you just think outside of the box. Um, and I think that for me just really like opens the door similar to what Emily suggested in that like you can take these in a lot of different directions and you don't have to sort of follow that railroad um i think another one for me i'm going to squeeze in a, a quick one here um is uh <laughs> is uh <laughs> is i know everyone's looking at me um is uh we were in a this is just the very beginning of it was really interesting um the basic premise was you were a bunch of fantasy characters uh, an orc a dwarf whatever you're out doing your thing picking berries who knows um, um and you're suddenly transported to a like arena uh is the premise of this and there's some sort of right like galactic or universal sort of now like competition that's about to start and they pluck creatures from around the, the world and i don't remember if this was starfinder or savage worlds or or fifth edition port or pathfinder or something like that um but but the long and short of it was we're all standing in the stadium and they're sort of asking for volunteers to go do this gauntlet and if you make it through the gauntlet you go you get to go back home and your planet isn't destroyed very like marvel battle for earth equivalent and um, I was an orc. And, and I'm telling this one because it's it's the inspiration for something that happened in the first season of uh, Under the Library. And I'm, mm. for people who watch this, this is a little bit of a, a little, little, little Easter egg for you. Um, and so they were asking for folks to join and nobody's really stepping up. And so they started calling random people. And of course, it's the people in the, in the stadium. So when they call my character's name, my character decides to bolt and try to escape being basically dragged up to the front of the stage. And um, it's a stadium. 
And so I asked if there were like stadium vendors and he was like, yeah, they're stadium vendors and you know, there's a whole crowd. And so I go up to one of the vendors and I say, is there somebody with like snacks, like popcorn? He goes, yeah. I go, okay. Does he have a butter dispenser at the popcorn stand? And he goes, yeah. And I go, I douse myself in butter. I strip down and I butter myself so as to not be caught, right? So it's basically a hot buttered naked orc running through this stadium of other people. Um, Well, it was hot butter. It has to be hot butter. Uh, Or he's just a hot orc. I'll leave it to the imagination. Um, And he's running around. uh, He he works out each morning. Um, And he running around. With, and the DM is trying to corral with his NPCs, but, you know, he's making like dex checks and they're slipping off of my hands and legs and thighs. And anyways, it ended with um, so, something about me crashing into a donut cart and there being a stream of donuts um, appended over certain appendages. Anyways, it, it was it was a it was another wacky moment um, of sort of. When you're on a railroad and like your characters are just sort of being like taken down a path, like have some fun with it. Uh, nothing says you have to sort of follow the tracks uh, would be my sort of second um, pitch. And the last and favorite is one that I know Art will remember. Wait, are you and telling is, all your stories at once? Should I not? I was going to just finish with this last one and then we, I'm we done. Can, can I, okay. You want to go around? You yeah. want to go around? All right, why don't you go ahead? <laughs> yeah, I want to I pass it over to Art for a second. Who is one of my favorite people to roll the dice because whenever Art rolls the dice, they're going to go catastrophically wrong. And in fact, anytime I say, Art, it's time to roll, I have to have like that worst case scenario (laughs) ready in my head. So, anyway, to my favorite person to roll the dice, Art, what's your story? Yeah, you know, I just have to say that that that's it's really interesting that that has become a thing. I, I'm generally not the luckiest person in the world. Like, it, I I don't I never win anything. Like, I, I'm I'm just not lucky. Um, and it, it really does show when I play role playing games. Um, because yeah. In general, my dice rolls pretty well suck. And, and recently, like the last six months or so, they've been really bad. Um, Don't go to Vegas. It's funny that, uh, no, no, definitely not. Um, When I was thinking about this episode, the first thing that popped into my mind of my favorite moments in my role-playing history are actually Rick failing roles. Um, those are some of the funniest things in the world. I don't think they really apply to this show, but I mean, it's, it's so funny. Like when there are tense moments, he, he physically can no longer control his dice. So when he's really, and there's a, you know, a moment that's pivotal in a story, nine out of 10 times, at least one of his dice is going on the floor. And it's it, it happens so often that we have a term. It's like if somebody else does it, we say, "Oh, you ricked it," because which means throwing your dice on the floor. Um, anyway, not necessarily appropriate for the show. There's no lesson out of this, other than you know, if you want to see something really funny, put Rick in a tense moment and give him some dice. It's great. Um, but for this show, I'm going to go sort of the opposite direction of of Rick's silliness um in sort of character play and and role play and and say that one of my personal favorite moments was one of the darkest things that i've ever done in a role-playing game Uh, and that was to create uh it was a a D D campaign that michael was was dming 
and I, I made a cleric and I made this cleric specifically so that he could revive the people that he was torturing. His job was wow. a torturer for the king and he, the only reason that he used his clerical skills was so that the people he was torturing wouldn't die on him, uh, which is really dark. Um, it wasn't quite, it was a little lighter than, than it sounds in recounting it, but sure. it did, sure it, it did lead yeah, to a totally. moment. Yeah. It did lead to a moment though, that I'm really proud of. Um, Michael is one of the creepiest, darkest people I've ever met. And, um, the one time that I was actually able to role play this character doing his job, um, I described a torture scene so vividly um, that Michael was cringing wow. and really had a hard time. <laughs> wow. I'm not going to recount what it was. It was pretty gross. Um, and I think it would have worked to get the information I was looking for. Uh, I would have talked. But I talked fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was, I, I was pretty proud of that, that I was able to didn't actually the, uh, make Michael cringe. Didn't, didn't the FBI show up afterwards? Isn't that <laughs> like the actual <laughs> FBI? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were listening and said, all right, we got to get this guy. This guy knows way too much. <laughs> Yeah, I I mean one of one of my favorites, and probably on the opposite end in in terms of was uh, from season one, and it's when Emily was playing Florence, and Florence goes and finally sees her sister Rose, oh. and by the time this interaction happened, uh, and, and this was like for me, it, it's a significant moment because. It's when all of the work for character development comes together. Um, th there's a close second when you played Bubba and Bubba kind of had his like final monologue, which yeah. really caught yeah, everybody off good. guard. Um, and and those moments were all of that kind of character investment. And so when uh, Florence finally meets up with Rose and just doesn't get the response she wants or expects and it 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 wasn't the fact that it like Emily portrayed it so well because it mm -hmm. it you, her character was so broken, but just how invested she was, and and how much kind of all of that investment in the character paid off in that moment, and it was just it was really powerful. I kind of like I, I had to take a moment after that episode and just think about how, all of that coming to fruition. So that was really uh, that was really great and you know, certainly lately we're seeing some of that as well, but no spoilers there. So oh, thanks, Michael. Yeah. All right. Rick did do we've got time here. You yeah. got one yeah, more yeah. you want to get in there? I have my okay. ultimate favorite. I was saving this for last. And um, it's, it's shared by, again, me and Chris. We had a lot of adventures. This was actually with our whole group. Art was present. And it was at the very beginning of my D&D &D, or just role play experience. I'd say it was within the first, I don't know, maybe three months, four months. And we were playing uh, Curse of Strahd. We were both players. And um, we had just gone through, well, spoiler, if anybody's not played Curse of Strahd, there's, it's, people die pretty frequently, pretty early on. Um, and that's, that's no spoilers there. Um, and uh, Chris had lost a character in the prior episode. And um, 
our group, the remaining ragtag group, uh, was looking for a place to sleep for the night. And it was getting dark. It was raining. Um, and there was a light underneath a cliff. And um, I was a warlock that could sort of warg, right? Where you can sort of perceive through, you can get the senses of the creature you're, you're working through. So I had a raven. And so I could see through it. I could smell through it, all that sort of stuff. And so I said, I'm going to scout ahead and see sort of who's underneath this cliff, not knowing that it's Chris. It could have been an NPC. It could have been somebody bad. Who knows? And as I go up, I see somebody around a campfire um, and they're smoking, you know, pipe and and uh, they're cooking something or they're just hanging out. And I have my raven try and get their attention to sort of glean what's going on here. And he flies through the smoke circles that are being formed and lands down next to um, this character. And um, uh, the character ends up being Chris's new character. He's a cleric called uh, uh, Kapow or of the Kapow lineage, except he's got this like really laid back, you know, attitude, man. And just sort of talking a little like he's from, you know, it just got back from Woodstock and he's uh, really enjoying his pipe and smoking what would be the equivalent in 5e of some dank stuff. Um, however, my raven, right, I, I can perceive through it. And so I now got effectively what would be a contact high, I think, or at the very minimum for a raven, a pretty good dose. And so I land and I can speak through the raven. And so I start chatting with the guy to see what's going on. And so I'm like, hey, man, how are you doing? And he's like, oh, my dude, it's a talking raven. Where'd you from, little buddy? And it becomes this like beautiful, pure RPG interaction. There were no roles. It was just like me now role playing a high character who's warging through a high raven, talking to another character who's high, who thinks he's talking to now a raven that can talk. And, and it became this, like, it's our favorite moment because we, our, our DM just let it go. And it was just the two of us for, like, five minutes having this extended conversation where he he role-played it amazingly, thinking, like, I am a stoned dude, thinking I'm talking to a talking raven. And he was thinking of, like, oh, my God, dude, this is awesome. We can go out on, like, shows. How did you learn to talk? And just, like we just like riffed for a solid half hour and it, it, I don't know for, for our group. And for me, it's probably like it opened my eyes within the first three months of tabletop as to like, you can take a mundane, simple moment, right. Of like introducing a new character that would have just been otherwise like our group walking up to him around a campfire, having a chat and then like, you know, doing a long rest for the night. And we turned it into this like 10 minute, wonderful, uh, conversation between one another, which is just the magic of role play. Um, Emily, did you have another one or no? I actually had two more. I brought a story about each of you. Yeah, I, th I think we're going to, I think we can go a little bit long this week. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because I got, so, I got one more too, which is going to be short. And, okay. and I had a, I had a, another 30 second moment. All too. right. Sweet. So go for it, Emily. So, Art, the one that I wrote down that involved you was actually the growth of the relationship between my character, Jenny, and your character, Bubba, yeah. in our modern day Scottish adventure. Mm -hmm. And 
the reason that I thought this was so interesting is because the two characters, so we're like young twenties out of college. Uh, my best friend used to date Bubba. There's some tension. I find him very annoying and we just really keep butting heads. And long story short, by the end of the short camp, the like six or seven week adventure, <laughs> the one-off, <laughs> like we, um, we were not only getting along and coexisting, but sympathizing with each other about the loss of our mutual person that was important to us. And uh, Bubba, as I think Michael mentioned earlier, actually sacrificed his life to protect the rest of the party, including myself at that point. And the thing that was so interesting to me was that it actually wasn't a conscious character choice that I made. It just kind of happened organically through, through the play. And also ironically in our current campaign, I made a conscious choice to kind of warm up to a character of arts during the uh, Franny during the gameplay. Um, but this one just we kind of got to the end of the play and we realized, oh, this is a different relationship than we had in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And it was really, it was just kind of interesting to see that happen. I don't know if it was organic for Bubba as well, or if it was a decision that you made, or if it was mostly driven by me. Yeah, it just sort of, it just started to happen and it seemed to make sense. Uh, it, mm -hmm. it, you know, it, I, and I think that's one of the great things about, uh, about playing a character is that uh, great stories have character development and character growth yeah. and character change. Um, and when you can really get into that character and let that happen uh, again, that's, that's where the little magic can happen. Yeah. That was absolutely the conclusion that I was going to draw. Mm -hmm. Let your character change. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Or decide that your character should change. It can be conscious or unconscious, but it's a much more interesting game when that happens. Yeah, absolutely. Michael? Yeah, well, I was just one of my favorite fails of yours is when we were playing <laughs> Savage Worlds and you went to peek in a tavern window. Oh, God. And like you totally crit failed the tavern window. And I didn't know what else to do. So I had them throw the like sewage pot out in your face, which oh. left you blinded. Yeah. And I, I, it was just one of those moments where I was like, oh, God, how do you critically fail looking through the tavern window? Like, yeah. What do I do for that? But if, it was it ended up just being one of my favorites. If anyone can do it, it's me. Uh, so <laughs> I'll go through mine super quick. Um, I, I had made a campaign, uh, a homebrew campaign using uh, the D&D rule set. Um, that involved, and I, I still hope to get back to this someday because I have a whole universe inside my head, um, but this was a, a one-off deal, and the characters were in their sort of D&D &D universe and got mysteriously teleported somewhere else, uh, somewhere completely mysterious to them. Um, and it turned out um, that it was a modern-day post-apocalyptic uh, sort of office area. And um, it, this was completely foreign to them. It was it was might as well have been another planet. And among all of the really f uh, cool things that happened, again, this was Chris, um, same dude that we were talking about earlier that Rick was talking about. Um, he found in one of the offices a stapler, and wound up becoming completely enamored with this stapler 
because it was a, a first of all a finely crafted metal device with some other sort of of magical material kind of wrapping around it something clearly from the magicians and when he realized that when you squeezed it appropriately it created new metal he was fascinated and i just thought that that was so incredible that something that for us is such a mundane item that if you really are into your character becomes this fascinating bit of of new world magic uh, and it, it was a thing that just it kept coming up throughout the thing all of these these mundane items that they would run into you know the, there was the um uh, the black object sitting on a table that had um runes in a pattern on it and um i forget what they called the the handle the telephone but they came up with something that 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 represented and uh, so all of these little office items became this fascinating magical experience wow that's really cool that was great and i had actually forgotten about it when thinking about the show it came up while we were you know while while in show Mm -hmm. that's good all right, Emily, we got time for one more. Take us home. Okay, so this one's about you, Michael. Uh-oh. It's also a good story. Don't worry. Don't worry. We're not in under the library. I'm nice here. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but uh, the thing that I just really felt like I had to mention was the scene that you created for Quentin in the portal in our first season with Herman Melville. Because uh, as a character, Quentin, played by Wayne, his favorite book was Moby Dick. And he had mentioned this early on. It had come up various times through the campaign. And when he went through this mysterious purple portal, he ended up experiencing a vision where he was sitting down and having tea with his favorite author. And it was just such a fascinating idea, first of all, but also conversation as it played out. And I guess the moral of the story is as a DM or a GM, uh, if you can pick out some of those things about your players and really do a deep dive, some of those things that are parts of their backstory or significant to them, it can really add color and complexity to the game. So Michael, I don't know if you did that or you just happen to have known a lot about Melville. But no, I, I, in fact, you're right. And that's one thing that is on my kind of uh, keeper checklist or GM checklist is to get better at that. Because I mm-hmm. think that when you're, if somebody's already putting that much time in developing their character, if you can take those nuggets and expand them out into something, it really honors the work that they've put into the character. It's something I'm I'm definitely not as good at as I want to be. And um, that's that's always kind of in the forefront of my mind is how do I get back to that space? Because um, I well, I it was an amazing scene. So, thanks. That's going to put a wrap on this week's session of Up Your RPG. Thanks for joining us. You can always join us at upyourrpg.com. Hopefully, we've contributed to your game. Now go find a table. Mm-hmm.